Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I remember when I first moved into this accursed house. I was 10 years old and loved all the things a 10-year-old boy loves. You know, climbing trees, catching bugs, playing cowboys and Indians, those sort of things. We had moved from the hustle and bustle of the big smoke to the small Cheshire village of Hellsby. Hellsby, with its prominent redstone hill, sits nestled at the top of the Mercy estuary. The hill sports a thick covering of gnarled trees, misshapen by the strong onshore winds that rush from their home on the Irish Sea, funneled by estuary coming to rest at the foot of the hill. The village is also surrounded by a vast expanse of marsh that holds a depressing sullen atmosphere, even on a clear sunny day. The various wetland birds adding a constant chorus of shrill cries. Our new country home was, and still is, an old Jacobean house with a sprawling garden to the rear, scaling the looming red hill behind. It was a venerable playground for a ten-year-old boy. The first thing I noticed upon moving to Hellsby was how quiet it was at night. You could hear a pin drop, and this dead silence was quite unsettling, having been used to the constant ebb and flow of noise coming from Liverpool streets. I would sit up in bed for hours, listening for any sort of noise, fancying, I could hear people talking or the pitter-patter of mice scurrying around in the dark. Sometimes, though, I thought I could hear other things. Things more sinister. Things I knew were there just beyond my sight, but hidden in the inky shadows. The first time I became aware of the low, barely audible whisper was maybe three or four weeks after we had moved. I was not frightened or worried by this, as I merely assumed it was my parents talking or exchanging some heated words as they often did. There was a fractious relationship with my mother, wanting more for herself and indeed us, and my poor father being unable to provide us. The whispers started during a storm that raged outside my window the wind and rain battering the rust-colored front of our house. I was just finished reading. I was about to doze off when I thought I heard my name being called in a low, muffled tone. Daniel. Daniel, it repeated perhaps four or five times. I quickly flicked on my bedside light but couldn't for the life of me figure out where my name was being called from. I sat there in the dark, the covers pulled up to my chin. I must have sat for an hour or more straining to hear the whisper. 
and in the end, I put it down to my imagination, and eventually dozed off into a sound, dreamless sleep. The next morning, downstairs, over breakfast, I asked, Mom, did you call me last night? She said that she hadn't, and turning to my father, I asked the same. He had not either. He told me that the old house would make strange noises, and with the sounds of last night's storm, that I shouldn't worry, that I would get used to them soon. He jokingly teased, saying that my overactive imagination was just playing tricks on me. Oh, how I wish that were true. That day, I ventured outside to inspect the storm damage. Murky gray clouds still hung in the hill's summit, giving it the impression it was much more immense than what I had thought. Looking up into the tree line, I was amazed by the volume of old trees that had fallen in the night, laying motionless on the hillside like fallen soldiers. Most of these trees appeared to have rotted from the inside, probably due to some fungus slowly draining the old tree's life. That evening after dinner, I sat at a desk in the front room, doodling in a great scrapbook. I was quietly nested in a moldy cobweb-filled alcove, when again I heard that menacing whisper of my name. Daniel. Daniel. I turned, looking around the room, but there was nothing there. It couldn't be the storm now, as there wasn't one. So as my father said, I put it down to my overactive imagination, and continued to doodle, when again I heard... Daniel, this time followed by the quick succession of pattering feet. I jumped up, knocking my chair backwards to the ground. I slowly approached the old mahogany sideboard where I had last heard the pattering of small feet, but I found nothing there. Confused and frightened by this, I crouched down and looked under the sideboard, finding only dust-filled cobwebs. However, as I stood up, my fingers moved over a series of small scratches at shin height on the sideboard leg, as if some miniature human-like figure had been hiding, watching me with tiny clawed hands gripped around the leg of the sideboard. This growing feeling of being watched grew over the following weeks, as the frequency of whispering along with the accumulation of other bizarre sounds came to a climax late one evening as I was paying close attention to the great oak just beyond our garden boundary. The sun had almost set and long twisted shadows were being cast across the lawn. Although I was far too absorbed in collecting the abundant acorns scattered around the ancient tree to notice such things. But that's when I spotted a pair of bright green eyes staring at me with malicious intent from beyond in a clearing in the bushes. In a fright, I dropped my collection of acorns and shuffled back in the dirt, trying to put some distance between myself and this unknown creature. Perhaps ten or twenty seconds had passed, but in my mind it seemed like an eternity as the creature held its ground and stared dead into my eyes. And then, with a flash of a wide, toothy grin, 
it darted off into the bushes, leaving me sitting there, trembling all over. I knew then that this was my unseen stalker. Not much had happened after the incident in the garden, and the winter passed relatively uneventful. The leaves shifted through their spectrum of colors, Christmas came and went, and as the first signs of life had appeared once again on the looming heights of Hellsby Hill, and I grew confident that the evil little creatures with all that harm and hate in its eyes were gone for good. We were in the midst of an unreasonably warm spring, and much of my free time was spent exploring the highs and lows of the hill at the back of our house. I had become an avid adventurer, being that a little bit older which gave me the confidence to wander further and further than previously allowed. This, in hindsight, was my undoing. For one sunny weekend afternoon, I was hurriedly making my way up the rat track I had worn into the garden lawn, bursting through the flimsy fence head first into the bushes and trees. I was scrambling and climbing steadily to the first vantage point on the hill when I felt a sharp, painful scratch on the back of my leg, followed by what sounded like laughter. When I had reached the huge, rotting log which marked the vantage point, I stopped to examine the source of my pain, and to my horror, I found five tiny, evenly spaced tears in my trousers which had also cut my skin and drawn blood. I sat there in shock for what seemed an age, panic-stricken and paralyzed with fear, as the realization that whatever had been stalking me in my home was now actively following me, and what was worse, causing me harm. When I finally zoned back in, I felt a massive rush of adrenaline, and I hurriedly made my way home, only stopping to quickly listen to see if I was being followed. When I arrived home, I was shaken, and seeing my nervous state and the tatty condition of my trousers, my mother asked what had happened. I dismissed her by telling her the neighbor's dog had chased me, and in my effort to flee, I tore my trousers on a bramble. I did not dare tell her the actual truth. Besides, my parents would have never believed me. That evening, as I prepared for bed, I was on the edge of fearing whatever had attacked me that afternoon would make its way into the house, into my room, and this time cause me considerable more harm. I spent over an hour checking all the usual places a child checks, under the bed, in the wardrobe, and the other numerous shadow-filled spaces around my room. Only when I had deemed my room creature-free did I venture to sleep. The night passed without incident, or so I thought, but upon waking, I found the bedsheets around me littered with the crisscrossing of tiny clawed feet and handprints, some of which had only been centimeters from my sleeping head. I let out a scream and ran from the room. Shrieking, I dragged my mother and father to my room to show them what had happened in the night. Surely they had to believe me now. Entering the room and seeing for themselves the state of the bedsheets, 
They surmised that a wild animal had perhaps gotten in during the night. A wild animal. Here? In Cheshire countryside? The closest thing to a wild animal was Mrs. Anderson's Shih Tzu, further along down the street. However, upon inspecting the footprints and claw marks, they became more confused than anxious and laughed it off as a clever prank. They told me I should apply those brains to my schoolwork. I went to school that day terrified out of my mind, knowing that something was living in the woods behind my house, and that worse, it could enter my house unseen and climb onto my bed and do God knows what while I slept. The school passed painfully slow, but it did allow me to think how I would deal with whatever was going on. Finally, school had finished, and I had arrived home with my mind made up to take on whatever had come uninvited into my room from the previous night. I sat and I sat that night, well past my usual 8pm bedtime. My mother and father had gone to bed, and as far as I could tell, they were sound asleep. At around midnight, as I wholeheartedly fought to stay awake, I heard the pitter-patter of those horrible little clawed feet, followed by the low whispers of Daniel. My heart started to race, and I frantically scanned the room looking for the source of the whispering voice. Then suddenly, my eyes fell upon it, standing there in the corner of my room, having must have just come through a small hatch that I had never noticed in the bedroom floor. I guess it was used to access the piping under the house or something. It stood hunched, maybe a foot and a half tall, with its thin arms ending in short, stubby, claw-like fingers. It had huge green, shining eyes that even in the low light of the room still shone unnaturally bright. Its torso was quite stumpy for the length of its arms and legs, and its legs were also long ending in short, stubby feet with hideous clawed toes. Its skin, from what I could tell in the dim light of the room, was a molted green-gray color stretched over a bony, misshapen skeleton. It stood there watching me for an age before it quickly started to walk towards me, its clawed feet tinkering on the ground as it walked. I sat there, petrified, unable to move, and the next thing I knew, it had shot across the room, and it was there on my bed, crawling towards me, its hideous clawing hands making tiny tears in the bedsheets as its feet and legs left dirty smudges on my white linen, all the while whispering in that horrible low guttural tone. Daniel, I shut my eyes and I hoped it would go away. I opened my eyes, and the creature was gone, bright spring sunshine threading its luminous tendrils through my bedroom curtains. Was it all a dream? I asked myself, assuming that I must have fallen asleep and dreamt the entire thing. I jumped out of bed and hurried downstairs in the search of breakfast. When I arrived in the kitchen... I could see my mother standing by the sink with her face in her hands, 
heavy sobs lurching from her body. My father was standing there with a hand on her back, making small affectionate circles as if to comfort her. This shocked me. I approached, unsure of what had happened. Then my mother spoke in a faint whispering cry. How could this have happened? What has happened to our boy? I was confused. What boy? I mean, did they mean me? I asked, Father, what's wrong? What has happened? He turned to look at me, saying nothing, his hazy eyes filled with tears. He gave my mother a short hug and walked towards me, all the while tears streaming from his face. I was growing more and more alarmed, and I asked again, Father, Mother, what has happened? What's going on? Still nothing. He reached the door and walked past me up the stairs. I followed him, unsure of what I would find as he headed towards my bedroom door. Turning the handle, he entered, the door giving the usual squeak, and there through the opening I could see a form on my bed, covered in my duvet. I screamed and rushed into the door. What was this? Who was this? I turned to my father standing there in the doorway. He seemed unsure whether to enter. He ignored me still, and I stood motionless as he approached the bed and pulled back the covers, and there, in that bed, was me. I know now that whatever lives in the wooded expanse of that redstone hill ruthlessly murdered me that night and that it still sits there in the undergrowth, waiting for another boy or girl to come live here in my house. But I suppose it won't be all that bad. For at least, I'll have someone to play with. <laughs>